Good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Life Horizon Church. We come together this morning. Our vision is to connect people to God so that they may know their purpose or understand and accomplish their purpose by knowing His plan and His promise to work for, for them. And so this morning we want to give the Lord thanks for all that he has done, give him thanks for all that he will do, and to, to just to thank him for a week. Last week we had a great time. We had a celebration where we celebrated our first anniversary. And we thank the Lord for making it possible. That through moments when we didn't know it would be possible that he brought us through. And so this morning we want to invite the Holy the, the Holy Spirit to be with us. We want to invite his presence. And so as we quiet our hearts before him this morning, we give him thanks for all that he has done. And so Father, we welcome you this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning in our midst. Come and tabernacle with us this morning. We give you all the praise and the honor. We give you everything, Father, that belongs to you. We we hold back nothing. We withhold nothing of ourselves this morning. But we come to give you praise. We come to worship you. We come to adore you. We come to magnify you. We come to exalt your name because there is no other than you. And so, Father, we thank you this morning that you are a great God. We thank you this morning, God, that you are more than enough. We thank you this morning, God, because you understand everything about us. There's nothing about us this morning that is hidden. And so this morning we welcome you, Lord. We ask that you be the comforter this morning. We ask that you be the provider this morning. We ask that you be the counselor and the comforter this morning, the one who consoles us. We ask you this morning, God, to be the refuge, to be our strength, to be our righteousness. We ask you this morning to come, God, and to meet every need in this place and for those who are listening to us this morning. We ask that you will meet every need and that we will trust you more this morning. Cause our eyes to be focused on you. Cause our eyes to be fixed on you. Because blessed is the man who trusts in you, God. And so this morning, Lord, we want to trust you with everything. We declare that this place is our holy ground. We declare, Father God, that the only presence that will be here is you, God. That you will fill this place with your presence. We declare, Father God, this morning that you will come and you will fill this place, God, with your anointing, with your power. Lord, we need to feel you. We need to sense you. We know you're here. So we ask you to take over. Have full reign. Take the reign, God, this morning. Lord, let everything that we plan, every agenda, be secondary to your agenda. Let every desire and everything that we want to accomplish this morning be secondary to what you want to accomplish. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come this morning. We ask you this morning, God, to fill this place, God, where there is heaviness. Lord, we ask you to make it light because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So, Lord, we pray for those who are listening this morning. That as they listen, God, that they will experience the presence of the living God in their rooms, in their cars, wherever they are in a new way. So come, Holy Spirit. You who abide and know how to abide with men, we ask you to abide with us this morning. You who know the thoughts 
and know our thoughts, we ask you this morning to come this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, that we can experience you this morning like never before. We thank you, Father, that in you, Lord, we are more than conquerors. So this morning we declare that we are conquerors in you because you have given us strength. This morning we declare, Father God, that we are overcomers, that we are victorious this morning. This morning we declare, Father God, that where God there is heaviness, where there is a lack of peace and a lack of hope, we thank you this morning that you came to give us peace, you came to give us joy. You are our hope this morning. And so Father, we bless your name. We bless your name, Father. We honor you. Lord, we honor you. We honor you this morning, God. We honor you, great I am. We honor you, El Shaddai. We honor you, the mighty El Gabor. We honor you. We honor you, Yahweh. We honor you because you are king. You are creator. We honor you because you are all-sufficient one. We honor you because you are the unique Christ that there is no other that could have done that, what, that which you did so that we can stand here this morning in your presence. Lord, we choose to worship you. And so we lay aside every weight. We lay aside every thought that would, would rival you being glorified. And we dethrone this morning every worry, every anxiety. And we place you on the highest place in our lives, God. We place you on the throne of our heart this morning, God. We place you, God, in the places where I've been occupied by things and, and, and situations and circumstances that rob us of our peace. This morning we declare that no more, no more, God, no more, because we desire. We choose this morning to worship you. And so be enthroned this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning our scripture reading is Colossians 3 from verses 1 to 17. And, it's, and it reads as follows. I'll be reading from the NIV version. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God-chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There endeth the reading of God's holy word.
teacher, musician, author, maybe even a future president. We never really know who we might be driving around, do we? So that's why we give our cars advanced safety features. It's why we give them enduring quality. It's why we give it everything. For a limited time, get 0% APR for 48 months on select models at Kia's President's Day sales event. Head to your local Kia dealer today.
will break you to position you, break you to promote you, and break you to put you in your right place. But when he breaks you, he doesn't hurt you. He doesn't. When he breaks you, he doesn't destroy you. He does it with grace. Ah! Anybody been gracefully broken? Ooh. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, tonight we're broken before you. Thank you for handling us with grace.
good morning, good morning. What an awesome time of worship we had. And now we're going to enter into another worship where we are going to bring our tithes and offering to the Lord. This is a worship that we do so solemnly, solemnly adore because God is good and His mercies will endure forever. So join us as we worship and if you're online and you wish to participate, you can do so by going to our PayPal account which is newhorizonmin at gmail.com. That's newhorizonmin at gmail.com. So join us as we worship with our tithes and offerings.
Thank you, Lord. And um, I'm reading a, a small scripture here from Exodus 14, verse 29 to the end. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from, from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So Lord, we thank you again that indeed we are putting our trust in you. You are indeed a good God. You are indeed on our right and on our left. You're making us walk before you, making us walk as kings and queens and prince and princesses. So Lord, we thank you for this awesome opportunity to give back to you a portion in which you have blessed us. And this indeed will be used for the furtherance of your kingdom. And we thank you again that you are the one that give us the ability to create wealth. So Lord, we thank you that you have designed us, you have given us gifts and talents in which to use to give you glory. That you alone shall get the glory. And Lord, no matter where we are in our walk with you, everything that we do is a trust entrusted in you, in believing that you are still the God of the impossible. We believe that you are the God that will make a way when there seemed to be no way. Because at this time, the people were at the edge of the sea and they didn't know how they're going to make it. They're seeing the Egyptians coming full head speed towards them. But a word from God changes the situation. The Lord said, why are you crying out to me? Stretch out your hand and you will see the Egyptians that you see, you will see them no more. So the Lord also has given us with the gifts and the ability, he has given us wisdom. How to manage resourceful well, how to delegate funds, how to see and predict and even to be blessed. So Lord, we thank you again for this awesome opportunity to give back to you and that you alone will bless it and you alone will cause it to increase and you alone will cause the favor to be upon us. So Lord bless us, in Jesus name, Amen. And as we prepare, um, we ask that we prepare, prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord as our servant will come to deliver the word. We pray for the anointing as usual. We pray for the grace, the giftings, the ability, and the wisdom with the clarity filled with the Holy Spirit to share. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be well-watered ground to hear from your word. And not, Lord, only to hear, but also to execute what we have heard. So welcome your speaker today, Pastor Ava.
morning again, everyone. Welcome into the house of the Lord, where we get to get an opportunity. As I was told a couple of years ago, about two or three years ago, I was told that we get an opportunity to serve. We get an opportunity to praise. We get an opportunity to come this morning into his house and to give him thanks. And so we are mindful that when we come, we lay the heavy weights aside because we recognize that we are chosen this morning to praise. We are chosen this morning to give God honor. Because I'm always mindful of those who are not well. <laughs> I'm mindful of those who are in the hospital, who are not of sound mind, and cannot be here or cannot be in the house of the Lord to give him thanks. So let us just open our hearts and just before the Lord and just thank Him. Lord, thank you. Five weeks ago, Lord, I could not stand here. Five weeks ago, Father, I didn't have the strength to stand. But this morning, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Father, that you continue to be our healer. I thank you, Father, that you continue to make a way for us when we cannot understand even how it's going to happen. Thank you, Father, that what we cannot see, that only thing we can see is now, but you have the ability and the power to see the end. And so, Lord, teach us this morning how to trust you more. That when we cannot see your heart, or your hand rather, we're to trust your heart. Father, we thank you for your word that you will bring this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will be the illuminator this morning that make the word of God clear. Lord, I pray that everyone will go away with something because you would have spoken to our hearts individually. And we would have heard you and that our desires, God, is to respond in a favorable way to you. Father, we thank you for the clarity this morning that you will bring with to, to your word. Thank you, Father, that you will teach us through your word, that we will gain understanding and wisdom and knowledge this morning through your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word this morning will be the transformer and we will never be the same. Thank you for the truth that will come from your word. The truth of the truth that we do not know or need to be reminded of. Thank you, Lord, that as I speak, Lord, I am mindful that I am only a vessel. And as we were reminded last night, Lord, you are the one who play. We are only instruments. And as instruments, Lord, we do not seek to be glorified. But we give all honor to the one who plays, the one who uses, the one who has the ability to use any instrument and make it melodious. So we say to you, God, be glorified. To you, God, be honor. To you, God, be praise and worship, God, from our hearts, Lord. Lord, be edified today. Be enthroned today in our midst, God. 
Lord, we still everything, every work of darkness, everything that would distract, everything that would come to come against the peace of Christ in our lives. And we thank you this morning that as we stand, Lord, on your word, we know that you will fulfill every word that you have promised. And so, Father, I just bless your name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, the scripture that was read this morning is Colossians 3, from 1 to 17. But this morning, we just want to look at only verse 1b. Colossians 3, I'll read from 1 to 4, but my, my focus will be on 1b. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ with your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This morning we want to look at the Colossians and the scripture tells us that this book was written, well, scholars still debate if it was written totally by Paul or it was written by one of his followers. But this morning we're going to work from the assumption that it was written by the Apostle Paul. The church in Colossae was faced with serious threat of doctrinal issues, which was a blend of the Jewish legalism, human philosophies, and human and based on traditions of men. They felt like they should have worshipped angels, and they and, and and they felt like it was not enough to to accept the salvation that came from Christ, but that they should do do practices designed to control the flesh. And these false, te false teachings sought to undermine and discredit the biblical revelation of God as revealing the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's as if they were saying that Christ was not enough for salvation. And to believe in him only for salvation was not enough. There were other things you needed to do. The teaching, though it appeared to be Christ Christian in nature, or it seemed like it was a, was like it was bearing for it was basically showing Christianity. It was a total, it was totally false and deceptive. It wore the mask of Christianity, used the Christian words and phrases, but the meanings of those words and phrases were different. Though it did not deny Christ, it dethroned him of his power. It taught that there were many other ways to God other than Jesus. It taught that Jesus was insufficient. It taught that in order to live holy before God, there were ascetic practices that one needed to do and to work hard to please God. It also taught that humans, nature and God are not separate because all is God. And it also taught that all humans are God, that need to be awakened to the reality of who they are so that they can live like gods. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Church of Colossae refuted and countered these false claims and teachings. He presented Jesus as the true, as the all supremacy of God. 
And I gave you a handout this morning. I want you to be filling in the blanks with me as we go through this teaching. And the first point it made this morning is that the Apostle Paul's letter to the Church of Colossae presented Jesus as the all-supremacy of God. It presented, he presented Jesus as the all-sufficient one. He presented Jesus in refuting his, the claims and encountering these false teachers as the only unique Christ, as the Savior, as the Creator, as the Redeemer and Sustainer, who is the total solution of God, of man's need for both now and eternity. So we saw that Paul was saying that yes, though you feel that men are gods, and though you feel that there are other ways to God but through Jesus, and though you felt that Jesus was insufficient, Paul said no. I am refuting those false claims because Jesus is the supreme one. He is all sufficient. He is the only unique Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Creator. He is the Redeemer. He is the Sustainer. He is the only one, the total solution of man's need for both now and eternity. Nothing else could meet the needs of man. Or nothing else could satisfy God's demand for man's, sacrifice, for man's sin. The book of Colossians is revealed today as it was then. It's relevant today as it was then. Because even today as we think about it, we have these new movements, new age movements, that need to address the same issues. They believe that man can solve his own problems apart from God. They believe that we need to synchronize religions and synchronize different beliefs and thoughts and ideologies. And those are the things that we live by. No longer is God as revealed through Christ in scriptures necessary according to the New Age movement. They claim that yes, Jesus is a way, but there are other ways. And the book of Colossians come to refute all of those claims. Colossians 3 explains that the true believer conducts his or her life in a particular way. They understand their position in Christ because they are made alive with Christ. Colossians 3 calls believers in Christ to put off the old self and its evil practices, to treat the earthly nature as dead and to put on new self which is made possible for those who believe in Christ that are raised to life and are now alive. The Apostle Paul begins chapter 3 with, with the words, Since then. Since then you have been raised with Christ. The word since gives an assumption that something has previously occurred, something was previously taught or understood, and there's an expectation that what you learned before should influence or impact your actions or your reactions, because you're, when, especially because you're a believer in Christ. 
The Colossians believe, believers were taught that they were raised with Christ. What does it mean to be raised with Christ? And that's the next point that we're going to be responding to on your, on your sheet, your answer sheet, or question sheet. To be raised with Christ or, or to be raised in Christ is to be in union with Christ. When we put our faith in Christ, we are united with him in the same way the branch is connected to the vine. Therefore, everything that happened to the vine happens to the branch. Everything that happens to Christ also happens to us, the believers. To be raised in Christ or to be raised with Christ is to die with Christ. To be raised in Christ or to be raised with Christ is to be buried with Christ. To be raised in Christ or to die in Christ to be buried in Christ is to be raised with Christ and to be seated with Christ. So when you are raised in Christ or raised with Christ, you die with him, you are buried with him, you are raised with him, and you are seated in the heavenly realms with him. So my first point this morning is, when we are raised with Christ as a believer, we die with Christ. So just as Christ was crucified, believers in Christ are crucified on the cross. And I thought about it. When someone physically died, or persons physically dead, there are certain things that no longer applies. The desires, they are no longer the desires for the thing that the person wants desired, Right? The person is now freed from everything that controlled him or her. The person is now freed from the thing that influenced their actions or their reactions. Nothing has the power anymore to dictate what they do, how they think, or even what they desire. Because I thought about my own cravings, food cravings. And I thought about it, I said, when I physically die, I won't have those cravings no more. Those things won't draw me at 8 o'clock at night. Because I thought about last night, Kirk had to go to get a fruit for me. I sat there and everything in me wanted it. Everything inside of me wanted to eat it. And he obliged me and went. And so I thought that when someone dies, the thing that controls us no longer controls us. So when we die in Christ, we are no longer controlled. But, we, but in order to die, we must be intentional. That's our point six. To die, we must be intentional. We crucify or kill the flesh by starving it from everything that belongs to the old rebellious natures with its evil desires. And I thought about having a patch of weeds growing up in a garden. And if you water it, 
just by the nature of weeds, it's going to grow. And it grows, it grows so fast that if you are trying to grow a other plant, the other plant will not grow as fast as the weeds grow. And the same thing with sin. Sin have a way of just growing just because you continue to feed it. And if you feed it today and feed it two days later, it has the ability to still stay and stay low-keyed until it gets nutrients again. And, and, and the Apostle Paul is saying to us, in order for us to die with Christ, we have to kill, we have to starve the nature, starve the desires in us. Starve the things in us that want, that does not give God glory. Two weeks ago, I was praying about a, a, a trait, a sin trait I saw in me. And I was saying to God, God, I, I don't like it. I want to change. I, I don't like the way I respond. I don't like the way that thing does to me and my thought life. And while I was praying, a thought came to my mind. And I know it must have been God because it was, I know I didn't think it. The only way I can rid myself of any sin in my life, I have to starve it. And then the thought said, the, the sins that I continue to do are the sins that I do not consider them to be sin. There are sins that we will look at and we say, oh no, I won't do that. Or, oh no, I will never do that. And those sins you won't do because in your mind they are an abomination to you. But the sins that we continue to do, the sins that we continue to struggle with, are the ones that in our mind they are not so bad, or we do not understand the implications of what that sin does or what it does to our relationship with God. And the Apostle Paul is saying to us this morning that we have to die. To be raised with Christ, we have to die. Because the things that we do not avoid are the things that we continue to do. In order to die, to die, to raise with Christ, we have to die to the things that please the flesh. So therefore, dying occurs when we no longer live to please the flesh. Instead, we live for God. And to please him in Jesus. In Galatians 2, 19 to 20, Paul says that I died to the law so that I might live for God. And I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6, 1-6 says that persons who are dead to sin have crucified their old self with Jesus so that their bodies ruled by sin might be destroyed and they should no longer be slaves to sin or serve it. The old self belonging to the sinful or earthly nature has to be nailed to the cross with Jesus. And this being done will allow our bodies to be ineffective and inactive for evil so that we may, might no longer belong or no longer be slaves to sin. Dying occur 
when we no longer are controlled by the sin, by sin and its desires. That's Romans 6 6. Although you and I may sin, the fact that you are dead to sin, it no longer has control over you. It no longer dominates. It no longer dictates everything that you do. Sin no longer has the power and the dominion over a believer who has died or a believer who died with Christ. We are free. We are no longer in bondage. We are no longer slaves to sin. Sin no longer has the ability to compel or to dictate what we do. It no longer has the ability to dictate how we think or even the things we desire because we are dead to the things of this world. Sin, when we are died, dead to, in Christ, is off limit. Dying occurs when we die to the basic principles, rules and teaching of this world that promotes human efforts, discipline and rule keeping as the way to earn salvation. And that is what was happening in the, in the church of, of, of Colossae. They felt that these false teachings was, was saying to them that these are the things, these are the practices, these are the principles, these are the rules you do. Do not touch, do not handle, do not taste. And they were saying, these are some of the things that you do to add to what Jesus had done for your salvation. And Paul is saying, no. Salvation according to Colossians 2, 20-23 it's based on the power of Christ's death and resurrection alone. Dying comes from being forgiven. When, a, when, you are die, when you died with Christ or when you are dead with Christ, you are forgiven of your sins. You are healed of your pain and you now even have the desire to be like Christ and to forgive others. How much pain and hurt and pain does a physical person feel? How much pain and hurt does a physically dead person feel? Believers are made alive with Christ and forgiven of their sins. They are now set free from the law of sin and death that brought condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1. The next stage of being raised with Christ, because to be raised with Christ, when Paul said, since you have been raised with Christ, he said to the next stage is, now that you are dead, because in order for you to be raised, you must have died, you must have been buried, and now the next stage is to be buried in Christ. We are buried with Christ just as Christ was buried. According to Billy Graham, bury, being buried allows us to go where Christ goes. You now have the desire to do what God does. You have the desire to even speak the way Christ speaks or spoke. Burial is the seal of death that signifies death to the world. It signifies death to, his, to the desires, to our influence, to our effects and traits. Burial is the seal of death 
that signifies death to the world, its desires, its influence, effects, and traits. And I thought, how long can you, can you remember, how long have you accepted Jesus as Lord? Was it two years, ten years, twenty years, five years? And by the number of years that you have accepted Christ, that's the how long you have been buried. If a physical body was dead that long, would it still have traces of the world in it? No. Would it still be influenced by the world and its desires? Would it still crave the desires of the world or the things that the world uses to control? If someone that you and I know died as long as we are saved, would they still be controlled by their old nature? Would they still be controlled by the desires that they once had? The traits that they wanted to kick? Burial is a separation from the world. A dead body has to be buried. It has to be disposed of in a way that separates it from everything. The dead body by itself carries the odor. And if you, if, you, if, you, if you know anyone who died or had a close family member who died, even when they are, they are put on ice, the body gives the odor because it starts to decompose from the inside. It is no longer good company. That person is no longer comfortable to be around. When someone dies, no matter how close they are to you and you go to that funeral, no matter how much you love them, you leave them there. Because the death, someone who has died, is buried and you don't want to be, no matter how much that person means to you, you don't want to stay there. You no longer have anything in common. And the same thing with the world. Because we are buried with Christ, we no longer have anything common with the world. And if, you, if, we, if we find that we are so comfortable with the world and the world is influencing and impacting the things we do and, and how we do it, we recognize that we have not died, we have not been buried with Christ. When we are buried with Christ, we don't remain dead forever. Instead, just as Christ was resurrected, we are raised with him. We are dead to sin based on faith in Christ, acted out in the baptism where it symbolizes the death and burial of the old way of life. We are circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in, in baptism and raised him with him 
through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Colossians 2, 11 to 12. So having been raised with Christ, we recognize that to be raised with Christ, there are two conditions that we already looked at. We had to be, we had to be dead with Christ. We had to be buried with Christ. And the next condition, to be raised with, to be raised, we are raised to life with Christ, just as Christ is raised. The next condition is that as Christ is risen, so are we risen. Christ being raised from the dead has defeated death. And he cannot die again. That's our point for point 12. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Romans 6, 9-10. In the same way, just as Christ was raised from the dead, so believers, so believers, so those who believe in him, are raised to a new life. If we have been united with him, in, like in his death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. Romans 6, 4-5. So therefore, what does it mean to be raised to life with Christ? To be made to be, to be raised in life with Christ we are made alive to live with Christ according to Ephesians 2 verse 4. We have unbroken fellowship with Christ. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 6. Believers in Christ no longer belong to the kingdom of Satan. But instead, they belong to the kingdom of God. There is now a change of ownership. Where you were once dead and separated from God, you are now dead in Christ and reunited with God the Father. According to 1 Corinthians 6.20, you are bought at a price and now belong to God to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Believers move from death to life. They are no longer alienated from God. Neither are they enemies of God. Because they are reconciled by Christ according to Colossians 1.21. And having received Christ Jesus as Lord, they, were, they are to continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as they were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2, 6-7 Having been raised with Christ, the believer is required to demonstrate change in their actions and reactions. And these changes signify that they were dead or they died with Christ. These changes signify that they were buried with Christ. These changes signify that they were raised with Christ. 
The change that you and I as a believer must display is one that is evident to the old life where our old life, our old nature and our life of bondage changes to that of a new life, new nature, new freedom in Christ. And so this morning the Apostle Paul not only spoke to the, the, the church in, in, in Colossae, but he's also speaking to us, the church in New Life Horizon. And he's saying to us, since you are aware, since you are taught, since you know that you are raised with Christ, there is an expectation. There is an expectation that we no longer live. Giving the flesh the desires, autonomy. No longer live giving the flesh the desire, the ability to rule and to reign. But he says that we are free. We are free, so we do not have to give in to the thoughts that say, do not touch, do not handle, do not taste. There's a freedom that comes when you are raised with Christ. We have moved from death to life. Spiritually, we are no longer dead. Spiritually, we are made alive with Christ. And the question I asked earlier, how long have you surrendered? How long have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? And, if I, I, and whatever your answer is, that's how long you died and was buried and was raised. And if you are dead, if you died with Christ, if you are buried with Christ, and if you were raised with Christ, you are now seated with him, according to Ephesians 2. You are seated with Christ in, in the heavenly realms, far above all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And so when the enemy comes, and he comes to, to rob you of your peace, and he comes to rob you, of your joy and it comes to rob you of everything that God has already given you. Remember that you are raised with Christ. You are no longer controlled by the, the, the sinful desires and the sinful nature. You are no longer controlled by only how you feel and what you think and, and what you sense. There is now the Holy Spirit that indwells you because you were bought with a price. And God is saying to us this morning that just as Christ has defeated death, just as he has defeated the old nature and with his old desires, he's saying to us because we are raised with him, death no longer have dominion over us. We have changed ownership. And therefore, actions and reactions must be one of understanding that we are raised with Christ. So this morning I want to leave those words with you. But having been raised, you are now free you are free from the past of your the sins of your past. 
You are free from the thing that held you bondage. But I'm also mindful that there are others who may be listening or in our midst that may not have made Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are others who have, may have not said, yes, Lord, I want you to be my king. I want you to be my Lord. I no longer want to be in control of my life. And he's saying to you today, today is the day. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as some are in the habit of doing. But today is the day you can say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me of my sins. Yes, Lord, I have sinned. I have lied. I have stolen. I have been deceitful. I have been greedy. I have struggled with sexual immorality. I have struggled with lustful thoughts. And whatever you have done that you know is displeasing to God, you can say to him this morning, Lord, here I am. All that I have done, I have laid them, I lay them before you. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. And when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, God comes in through Christ. And he comes in and he, 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 he indwells you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are no longer the same. You have changed ownership. You no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness. You now belong to the kingdom of light. And for those who have been disappointed and who have walked away or things happen in life and you have changed, you have been disappointed with God. You say, no longer can I continue to serve the way I serve. No longer can I continue to go to church. No longer can I do what you, whatever I used to do because I've been hurt by someone at church or I've been disappointed by someone at church or even God. He's saying to you, my daughter, my son, my arms are wide open waiting on you to return. And so today I'm also saying to you, if you hear the voice of the Lord calling you, do not harden your hearts. But come back. Come back to the one who loves you the most. Come back to the one who loves you with an unconditional love. The one who understands your needs. Understands your pain. Understand that though you go through struggles, it's not his plan to break you or to destroy you. His plan is to build you. His plan is to make you into what you need to be. Because God, I remember a couple of years ago, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, who you are now is not what I want. I have so much more in store for you. And he's saying the same to you. What you see in you, God desires to make better. He may not change your physical appearance, but he definitely will change the things that influence you and the way you react to things. And so this morning, we just thank the Lord for his word. We thank you, Lord, that being raised 
with Christ comes with so much benefits. We are made alive with him. We are seated with him. We are hidden in him. We are raised above the principalities and powers. We will also reign with him when he comes back. Father, we no longer want to walk around with the stench. We no longer want to walk around with the influence of this world, with the world influencing everything that we do. We want to be influenced by you. Thank you, Lord, that we are forgiven by you and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That no matter what we did in the past, Lord, you have forgiven us because we are dead to sin. Thank you, Lord, that the benefit is that sin no longer have dominion or power or control over us. And though, yes, God, we may sin, but it's not because it's out of compulsion. So, Lord, teach us each day to live sinful lives before you. Sinless, sinless lives, I'm sorry, before you. Teach us each day, Father, to hate sin and to love you more. Teach us each day, Father God, to recognize that sin is not only the big thing that we think about, but it's the inability to trust you. The disbelief, the selfish ways, the controlling ways, the things inside of us that we have done that, and that no one can see but you. Father, I ask you this morning to come and kill, teach us how to kill sin, to starve sin in our lives. Cause us no longer to feed it by what we do or what we think, but cause us to, to, to kill sin now so that we can emulate you more and more. Lord, we thank you we thank you this morning, God, that you gave us, you, you come to give us hope. We thank you, Father, that we are rooted and built up in you, that we are strengthened in faith in you, that we are overflowing with thankfulness for what you have done, what you will do. And even if you have not done anything else, Lord, that's where I want to reach, that I am content because you have done a lot. You have done enough. Just by forgiving me of my sins, Lord, and I had tons of sins to be forgiven of, that alone should be enough. And so, Lord, teach us to be content in you. Teach us to stop looking for the other things and the next thing, but to be thankful, to overflow with thankfulness because you made us alive with Christ. And our future, God, looks different from our past. And Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you come in your own way and you remind us as Paul says, that we are raised 
to life with Christ. Thank you. Thank you, God, that we are free this morning. I am free. No more shackles. No more chains. No more bondage, God. I am free. No more shackles. No more chains. No more bondage. I am free. No more shackles. No more bondage. No more chains, God. We are free this morning because we are made alive in Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning that what you did on that cross, you are saying to us every day, crucify the flesh every day. Every morning you wake up, crucify the old nature. Crucify the desires that are contrary to being a part of the kingdom of God. And so, Father, I bless your name this morning. I honor you this morning, God. I give you thanks, Father, because, Lord, I couldn't have done it on my own. But now I know that you have empowered us this morning. You have empowered us that we can crucify the things that can hold us captive. That we are calling us to crucify and to starve the things in us. The worry. The anxiety. For every time we want to worry and to be anxious, you say, praise you God. For every time we want to look at what we don't have, you say overflow with thankfulness for what I've already done. For every time, Father God, we want to mope. We want to be sorrowful. You're saying, no. I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. I am the one who gives you peace and joy. So, Father, cause us to remember that when life becomes hard and our circumstances does not change that we can trust you because you have done enough thank you Lord thank you for the opportunity of being raised with Christ thank you for the opportunity of being seated with Christ Thank you for the opportunity, God, of being hidden in Christ. Because, God, we know that the enemy has no control over us. And so, Father, I bless your name today. I bless your name today, God. I bless your name today, Father. I bless your name. I bless your name because you are a good God. And so, Father, I thank you. I give you thanks this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. I am a child of God.
as we're preparing our hearts for communion. First Corinthians eleven twenty three says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Father, we thank you for this moment of coming to break and to eat of your body, to drink of your blood, represented in the bread and the wine. We recognize, Lord, that it is not your physical body that we're eating, or it's not your physical blood that we're drinking, but it's a symbol, God, of what you have done for us, that you took stripes, you took your body, you allowed your body to be nailed, you allow your blood to flow, so that this morning we can be healed, so that this morning we can receive salvation because of what you did. And so as we eat of, your, of this bread this morning and drink of this wine, Lord, we are remembering what you did for us on that cross. We are remembering, Father God, that you chose to give up your life so that we can be free. And this morning we declare that we are no longer a slave to fear. We are no longer slaves of sin. We are children of the King. And so we take up the bread this morning and we eat, remembering what you have done for us in Jesus' name. And at the same time, we remember your blood, the wine that you shed for us. Drink. Father, thank you that we can celebrate this this morning. Thank you that it's a privilege that you have given us to celebrate what you have done. And so, Father, may we continue to remember and to live lives pleasing unto you for the sacrifice that you made. Thank you, Father, that because of what you did, we are reconciled to the Father. And we celebrate that this morning. We thank you. We overflow this morning with joy and thankfulness. That we are no longer destined to, be per to perish. But we are destined to life. To be made new in you. And to live with you. The Father we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. What an awesome delivery of the word. Um, a thought came to me. Um, I was looking for the scriptures and I think I found it. Um, 
Job 1, 10, and Joshua 7, 10 to 12, and 24. Um, let me go briefly. A situation happened. Achan took something that wasn't his, and sin came in the camp. But what was significant was the sin that occurred actually affected his family. It said that Joshua and the Israelites, they took all his belongings, all his family members, and everybody was stoned and killed and set aside. But I saw another thing that made me smile. In Job 1 and 10, the enemy said to God, I cannot touch him because you have put a hedge around three things around him, his household, and everything he owns. So we see the, pow the power in the covenant with God that he protects not only us, not only our belongings, but everything that belongs to us. So as we go through this week, let us be reminded of the grace in which you have given us that we are died, we have died to sin, and we are raised, raised, raised in righteousness with Him. And Numbers 6 20, um, 26 says, verse 22, starting, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace now and forevermore. Have a wonderful week and thank you and be blessed.